Live from the heart of Lincoln, America, welcome to Ticket Weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome in to the Husker Extra Hour. I am Austin Orman. I'll be guiding you through the next hour alongside two of our esteemed guests from the Omaha World Herald. Sam McEwen will join me here in just a second, and Tom Chattel then at 4.30. Really appreciate those guys hopping on uh, for 15, 20 minutes a week with me here on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. If you are listening on the radio, we appreciate that. Any comments you might have can be sent to 402-464-5685. If you're watching on the stream, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, or Allo Channel 951, leave a comment on whatever your preferred platform is. We'll see it and uh, maybe get to it with the guests. If not, I will address it as we get closer to the end of the show. Speaking of Allo Channel 951, Allo does sponsor our VIP line. Big thanks to Allo Fiber, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. Let's go there now and welcome in Sam McEwen of the Omaha World. Harold, Sam, Nebraska falls in another one-possession game. The record finishes at 5-7. and seven. On the year, Nebraska had essentially the point differential of a 500 team. Allow 219 points, score 216 as you look at this Nebraska team that finishes five and seven, one and five in one score games, what do you think Nebraska needs to, to finish stronger in games and in the season? Does it start with coaching? Does it start with talent? Does it start with that execution? How does Nebraska finish games better? They have to have a better offense. And you don't have to necessarily finish the game well, but you need to have at some point in the course of the game, your offense needs to play better than Nebraska's offense played pretty much all year. Um, there, I don't know that there was a single game, maybe Northern Illinois, where Nebraska played you know, what you would call good offense against a good defense. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, I'm sure coaching, talent, and execution is in there, but let's, you know, let's not kid ourselves. This, this, was, a, this was a very easy schedule. Uh, the combined record of the teams is 81 and 77, I think, and that includes a team that's 12 and 0. So, um, the balance of the teams that Nebraska played this year were teams with losing records. Uh, Northern Illinois had a six and six record. Colorado and Louisiana Tech uh, both had losing records. Uh, a number of teams that Nebraska played also had losing records. So, uh, they had an incredible opportunity this season to to make a bowl game, given the teams that they played and given where those teams were. And they weren't able to get it done. And the reason, in my opinion, is their offense wasn't good enough. And their pass game wasn't good enough. Their run game was pretty good at times, but it was turnover prone with the lost fumbles. Um, there were too many drives that, that didn't end in points. There were too many, honestly, there were too many missed field goals. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what they were, 9 of 15, 9 of 16, but too many missed field goals. Um, too many situations where they could have scored and didn't. And, uh, you know, to, to put it somewhere else, is you certainly can do that. But, you know, part, part of my job is, <clears throat> to assess and analyze where the team's at. Um, that's, it, it's not my job to coach the team, so I don't need to place equal blame on the defense and offense when we all know that the defense was probably as good as Nebraska's had in the Big Ten era, and the offense was the worst that Nebraska's had in the Big Ten era. So we can assess that uh, pretty easily. There's a lot to assess and a lot of different perspectives to assess it from. You look at the 5-7 and seven record, I think there are some people looking at this saying, this is the best Matt Rule's ever done in a year one. 
Others who would say, well, he got to five and three with this team and he finishes 0 and four in November. This brings me to this, Sam. My conclusion is that there's a lot of context needed to evaluate this season with the injuries on offense. Um, not not a full excuse, but definitely sure. to, to be noted. But at the same time, I would say a lot of Nebraska fans are tired of having to use nuance and context to, to talk about this team. Like they just want wins and losses to matter. Either they got it done or they didn't. I don't think that's fair for this year, but that time's got to be coming soon, right? Sure. And, you know, the injuries absolutely play a role in, in Nebraska's struggles on offense. I think that's legitimate and fair. Um, you know, I don't know that they had, uh, I, I think the biggest issue on offense is the quarterback mm-hmm. and the quarterback play and specifically the quarterback that Nebraska believed would uh, be their starter this year and be a good one. And he was not, you know, so I think that, you know, that's kind of where it starts. Do you think, uh, you know, he, you know, Jeff Sims wasn't, wasn't the quarterback they thought he would be for whatever reason. He wasn't that before he got hurt and he wasn't that when he got healthy. And, you know, so at the end of the season, you know, they resorted to playing a third string quarterback. Not sure why it took him as long as it did to put in Chubba Purdy. Uh, I, I tried to ask that question last week in a way that was probably overly nuanced and tactful. I, I, (laughs) I mentioned what I thought Chubba Purdy might've been through this season in terms of injury, that the easiest way to answer ask that question, and we will, is why didn't you have a player pretty play earlier? Uh, and, and that probably puts the onus where it belongs. So, and this isn't to throw Sims under the bus or any of that. Like, you know, it isn't really on. He didn't, he, he obviously didn't play up to his standards. I'm sure the reality is Nebraska's coaches are paid to uh, select the players from the transfer portal and insert those players into the offense. And, um, uh, you know, the transfer portal was very good as it relates to Ben Scott. Uh, the transfer portal was uh, very good in some other areas. Uh, it wasn't as good as it related to uh, the quarterback or really, you know, the receiver. I mean, Billy Billy Kemp is a good player, but he was not in a system that took advantage of his skill set uh, very, very well. So, you know, they, they didn't hit really necessarily on either one of those. Honestly, some of the defensive transfers didn't hit either. Arik Gilbert never played. You know, there's there's there was a lot of misses there, and um, they're going to have to they're going to have to figure out whether they want to go back into the portal or they want to continue to develop the players who are on hand. Um, the only way you add to the roster and you add guys to the roster who you think can contribute next year at this point is to go to the portal because to say, well, we're going to get we're going to get another receiver and another tight end who can immediately help us. That's asking a lot of Carter Nelson. That's asking a lot of, you know, Isaiah McMorris or any receiver they have on the roster. You know, it's just asking a lot for those guys to contribute right away. So, you know, the portal looms large and we'll see what Nebraska chooses to do. If you had to guess right now, do you think Nebraska would be on the more active side of FBS teams, less active, or just kind of an average amount of activity, both in terms of players they pursue in the portal and players that depart from the roster? I think average to less, you know, and I probably tilt that way on defense. I, I think they're going to be, they're going to retain a good chunk of their defensive players. And I think a lot of guys are going to want to come back. You know, they're having success. They're, they're enjoying their time. Uh, I I don't anticipate it. I, I, I anticipate some guys leaving the program or guys that weren't going to play. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're bringing in guys 
from the portal to replace them. I think Nebraska would tell you that they feel pretty good about the young defensive linemen behind the guys who are playing now. They feel really good about the linebackers who redshirted this year. And I, I include Dylan Rogers and Eric Fields in that. And then I think it's a wait and see on on the defensive backs. I, I, I think they feel good about you know what Ethan Nation might add to the roster, Ramir Stewart, uh, a few other guys. I I just well that's a wait and see there, I think, in the secondary. But the good news in the secondary is they're gonna be damn good next year. And I mean it. They're they're gonna be good. Tommy Hill's turned the corner, Hartzog will be back, uh Singleton's coming back. Buford will be there. Um, Gifford's probably coming back, I would assume. That, that's going to be a really good group of players. You, you give this group one more year together like this, and I think you're going to like the picture a lot among the starters. And then there will be a couple of backups that I think you really like too. I think the freshmen there are kind of still coming along. But defensively, I think you're not going to see a ton of portal movement. You never know, but I'd be surprised. On offense, you know, I mean, you're always going to lose at least one offensive lineman just because you do. I mean, there's a guy that, honestly, there's almost always a guy that doesn't want to play anymore. Uh, so they'll probably be one of those. And, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with the running back position. That's a that's an assessment they're going to have to make on the fly here. And then we'll just we'll just have to see what else they do. I mean, if you want a quarterback, you better be right, ready to pay because you're not going to go out and get another guy that you're not sure about. You're going to go out and get a guy that's a proven passer if you're going to go into this portal, and you're going to have to pay for that. So I don't know what they'll – they're going to have to assess that. Um, that guy's not going to come for free, and, and you're, you're going to have to build whatever you're doing around the guy, which means, that, you know, you're immediately telling, you know, Chubba and Heinrich, you're, you're, you're going to start, you know, spring as a 2A, 2B. Unless you're bringing in a freshman like a Zane Flores, which I don't think he's coming, but whatever, mm-hmm. then that's a little different. But but you're looking for immediate help, and you're either going to get immediate help at quarterback by hyper developing Purdy or Harburg, or going out and getting a player who's more developed than Purdy and Harburg are now. So on that quarterback position, we've talked about Jeff Sims, the guy that they brought in. Do you think that Rule and Satterfield weren't on the same page? Was that a Matt Rule decision and said, Marcus Satterfield, make it work? Did they need to be more on the same page in bringing in a transfer quarterback? Or what makes that go better this offseason? I don't think it makes much difference what page they were on or off <laughs> last last year. Um, the reality is they picked him. And and uh, this year they're they're going to have to to make uh, an assessment of of where they're at. Uh, Rule's going to have to assess if he wants Satterfield to coach a quarterback or if he wants him to do something else. I mean, there's just so many different components that I'm sure over the course of X number of days they're going to walk through, including the coaching staff. Like, is everybody where they need to be? Is everybody doing the thing that they need to be doing? Um, you know. One of the one of the very first conversations, maybe not the very first, but one of the conversations they'll have on offense is, you know, do do we really want to run the ninety two option? Like, is that something we're into, or two thousand two option, or whatever? Do we really want to run that, or do we want to, you know, put that on the shelf and and develop a different kind of run game? And it it, it appeared to me as the season went on, there was an understanding of man, this this play comes at a cost, and it comes at a cost to the health of your quarterback. Um, but you know, they ran it still a couple of times still. 
so we'll see. I mean, there's there's so many different questions that I think they've got to they've got to kind of work through, and it'll take time. And they'll they'll do a top to bottom review of everything they're doing. And you know, one of the one of the encouraging things is that at receiver, for example, I think the the biggest teaching point is get better. Just get better. You know, keep getting better at that position because you probably got some guys who can help you. You know, at tight end, pretty much the same thing. Just keep getting better. Probably need a third guy. You know, they didn't really have that this year. Luke Lindemeyer was a blocker. Probably could use a third receiving tight end. Need to develop that. But, you know, just get better at those positions. Uh, The quarterback is the big question mark. And running back is too. You know, if you feel like you've got a guy in Emmett Johnson that you want to go ahead and ride, um, then what does that mean for Amir Johnson? And what does that mean for Gaber? You know, how how does that play out? How do they... How do they shake out? What is Quentin Ives going to do? That kind of stuff. So that's the other position where you really have to kind of sit and stew in it a little bit and, and think about what you want to try to accomplish. I don't know about for you, Sam, but I don't see a 750-yard rusher as from the running back group on the roster right now. Maybe Emmett Johnson can grow into that with an offseason and then maybe even into next year. But what's the hit rate for running backs out of the portal? Could Nebraska go get a, a Sean Tyler-type guy who transferred from Western Michigan to Minnesota? What do you think Nebraska's options will be at that position if they do decide to pursue it? You can always go out and get a guy. Um, again, you'll probably have to pay some, but yeah, it's, it's possible to go out and get a good back. Um, you know, what what that player is, how much it costs, and that'll be that'll be something to assess. Um, I do think Emmett Johnson has the ability to, you know, to, to play at this level, and, and I thought showed some, some durability as the season went on. Didn't get overly banged up and you know i think that that was encouraging to see and we'll just have to see with gabe Irvin. I, I i don't know with as it, as it relates to ramir i mean they're gonna have to decide if they want ramir to come back ramir has to decide if ramir wants to come back i just don't know that he's got much more than a limited role he's been hurt many times and so you know you have to be honest about you know the the likelihood of him going through a full season carrying the ball 20 times a game so you know there's question marks. I know they really like Quentin Ives, but they weren't going to burn his red shirt. And I know they think he's a really good player. So, you know, I, I trust that assessment. I don't think he was quite ready to be the player that they wanted him to be because he probably needs to put on weight. But uh, they're very excited about him. And so we'll we'll see. Maybe he's maybe he's the guy. I mean, they, they have so many questions on that side of the ball. And the reality is if they'd beaten Iowa, or if they just won one game in November, they would have had 15 extra practices to really chew on that and assess it going into a bowl game. Now they don't get that, and they're going to have to assess it in spring. And my advice to Husker fans is, is, is uh, you know, trust but verify. You know, kind of have a – go in with a healthy skepticism. Because, again, you know, everybody's won the offseason again. Best offseason ever. Best culture ever. Now, going forward into the new Big Ten – and this is true of pretty much everybody. Um, you're going to have to play really, really good football just to finish in the top four. Like really, really good football. You're going to have to win ten games. And there's no, you know, there's no, um, you know, consolation prize of Big Ten West title, and there's no consolation prize of finishing second in the Big Ten West. That doesn't mean anything. It just doesn't have any meaning. There'll be no such thing. A seven and five team in the new Big Ten finishes eighth. So. Um, Nebraska has its work cut out for it. I think you're going to see 
you know, I mean, Indiana paid out its coach today. Mm-hmm. It's not going to see people screwing around anymore. We're in the Silicon Valley era of college football. There's no buyout that's too big. There's no salary that's too large to pay. And there's no mindset that cannot be reset after three years. Um, there's just too much to gain from winning big and, and too much to, too much water to tread by being six and six or seven and five every year. So the reality is, you know, Nebraska needs to, to get going. Like it's not, you don't have a ton of time. You have, a, you have three, four years and, uh, or otherwise you, I'm just telling you, like, you got to get it going. And they had a chance. Go six and six, seven and five this year, tangible progress. And they blew it. Uh, five and seven is fine. And it's better than last year. But, you know, everybody's going to know what the story of the team was this season. And, and they'll go into an off season and they better be ready to win seven, eight, nine games next year. Because I don't think a lot of people are going to be like, well, you know, in year two at Baylor, they went six and six. No, come on. Uh-uh. That's just not where that's just not where the sport's at. It's not where Nebraska's at, you know. Um, and and I don't think that I don't think what he did at Temple and Baylor are useful context for here. The stakes are higher. The pressure's bigger. The spotlight's hotter. Mm-hmm. The the salaries are larger. It's just you know it, it just doesn't have a lot of of, of applicability. Uh, they're gonna have, and and Rule knows that. I'm not saying anything he doesn't already know. Um, but I do feel like. And I've sensed this in the last however many years of like, uh, with the people, you know, just sort of in and around and covering the program is it's like, Hey, if we're just, pro- if we just have a kind of proximity to the program, it makes little difference whether they win or lose. We will find nuance and context to, to tell happy stories no matter what. And, and, and certainly you have to do that, but the fan base is, is very hungry for much, much more than that. And they, they haven't gotten it and they're the ones footing the bill. And so, you know, at some point, um, they're going to want they're going to want some of their investment back in terms of bowl, in terms of wins and positive experiences and, and bowl games. You'll hear from Matt Rule again, Sam. And what do you think his read is going to be on this season? What do you think he'll say? Do you think he'll present that same sort of "Hey, we made progress behind the scenes, even if it didn't result in wins and losses"? Do you think he'll come out and say, "Yeah, we should have had a couple more wins and gone bowling"? How do you think Matt Rule will will speak to the media about this season? He's already talked about making progress, and to be clear, I think they did make progress. I think their culture is better. I think he, you know, built bridges between the many constituencies of Nebraska football. I, uh, five and seven, as I as I know, is better than four and eight. Uh, so you know, they did win one more game. You can't say they didn't. Um, so there's progress certainly to be sold, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I don't know. Um, I what in my experience, he he's. He, he, his answers get better when we ask better questions. Mm-hmm. So it, some of that's, you know, some of that's incumbent upon, upon us. If, if an inordinate amount of time is spent on, you know, um, all of the positives that came out of the season, when they those have been extolled along the way, I and mean, we've, we've covered all of the positive stories that have come along. If, if the majority of the time is spent on recapping, all of the progress that was made, then I think he'll he'll be more than happy to to go through that. There have been times when he has actually been like, I need a couple harder questions in this. And actually Scott Frost used to say it too. And to some degree that's incumbent upon us. It's not incumbent upon the head coach. And um, you know, so some of that some of that's on the, the press corps that covers the two, the program. 
and and whether we're doing a good job of of asking you know the the hard questions that get insightful answers. Two quick ones for you here, Sam. First of all, Husker basketball moves to seven and zero for the first time since ninety two ninety three. What's your read on Fred Hoiberg's team this year, starting seven and zero with Creighton coming to Pinnacle Bank Arena a week from today? They're deep. That helps. One or two guys can have uh, can have off nights, and other guys can pick up the slack. Uh, I think that that's good. They have multiple options of point guards. So if one guy gets hurt or is having an off night, you know somebody can come in and make plays. I think they have a certain level of physicality that uh, that's notable. They haven't been great on defense all year. Um, there's been games where they were great. Oregon State, obviously, they were terrific in that game. Uh, but, you know, there's been moments where the defense probably hasn't been as tight as Fred Hoiberg would like it. I think they're going to have some issues re- rebounding the basketball. Um, Creighton's a funny team. They're, 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 an intru- they're a tough team to play in the sense that if Creighton hits shots, they're almost impossible to beat. Like, they're just, there's a couple of teams that can, but, but I don't know if Nebraska's one of them. Now, the question is, can Nebraska get them to miss shots? And Nebraska will play a defense that gives Creighton opportunities to hit threes in tough spots. And if Creighton hits them, they'll win. And if they don't, they won't. Um, you know, so this is the stretch, though. What I would call the most recent stretch, Austin, was the NIT stretch. Mm. Winning those games helps you get into the NIT. Now Nebraska's going to go through a stretch of Creighton, K-State, uh, Creighton, Minnesota, Michigan State, K-State, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you call an NCAA tournament stretch. And you got you, you want to go to the NCAA tournament? You win two of those. You do two of four. Now, you can pick your two. doesn't make any difference. You get Michigan State at home. You get Minnesota on the road. Maybe those are your two. You get Creighton at home. You get K-State on the road. Maybe those are your two. I don't know. But that's how you win. That's how you get into the tournament is, is that little stretch in December. The committee will look at that, and they will say, well, all right, well, here's this little stretch in December. Before they, they went full on into the conference, how did they do? As Nebraska comes out of that, and they're 9-2, and two, I think you have an NCAA tournament team potential. If they're seven and four, and they might be, then I think you know you're you're trying you're 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 kind of where you've been for many many years, which is hoping to get on a heater in January or February. And and um, you know Fred got on one last year. Tim got on one eleven years ago, and and that's that's what you're kind of hoping for is to get hot at the right time and and have all the pieces come together. Eventually, Nebraska basketball needs to get to the point where they're good in December and they win a couple of those games and, and they use that as motivation and confidence going into the conference play rather than having to play catch up. Maybe the team that's been best in December at Nebraska, Nebraska volleyball. We're about half an hour away from the selection show. The Huskers do fall to Wisconsin on Friday, bounce back with a win against Minnesota going into the tournament. How are you feeling about this Husker volleyball team and just how good are they with the NCAA tournament on tap? They'll probably be the number one seed. Um, I've talked to people who I respect, who know the sport better than I do, that say Stanford and Wisconsin will be very challenging um, when it comes to that, if they get to the Final Four. I think Nebraska will get to the Final Four. I think Stanford and Wisconsin may well be there, too. Um, you know, So I think there's a couple of teams that can beat Nebraska on the right night. Uh, Nebraska's got to stay consistent. Uh, they have to uh, show up in the first set. Like they got to make sure every night from here on out, they're going to get six matches, right? Six, right. Yep. They got to show up every night. 
first set, guys show up. Can't you cannot wait to get to kind of get in the groove. And they've they've lost some first sets, and they've also not played well in some first sets. Where yeah, they win at twenty five, twenty three, but they're not playing great. You know, they went up to Iowa, they didn't play great right away. You got from here on out, that first set is really important um, because the pressure of the NCAA tournament is so high that you know it just it just compresses the freedom that you feel when the end of your season is right there. And I could go back to last year when they almost beat Oregon. And, you know, again, Nebraska just, they can't afford to lose first set. If they win first set, I actually like them to win the national title. Um, if they drop that first set, you just, from that point, you just never know. Um, so Nebraska will have a good draw. I'm sure they will make it to the Elite Eight without much sweat. Then they'll probably get somebody in the Elite Eight who can beat them, and they're going to have to come in and beat Nebraska in front of 9,000 at Devaney. And then the Final Four, that's a crapshoot. You know, that's the thing where whoever's playing best wins. And Nebraska has not been that team for seven years, but they've been awfully close. Well, pay attention to the Huskers draw here again in about half an hour. Sam McEwen of the Omaha World Herald with us. Make sure you check out his work at Omaha.com. Sam, as always, appreciate the time. Take care. Sam joined us on our VIP line brought to you by Allo at Allo Fiber. They understand the importance of exceptional service with local all right, we'll take a break. When we get back, we'll have Tom Chattel on the horn. He'll put a bow on the Husker football season, maybe get some basketball and volleyball takes from him as well. Don't go anywhere. This is the Husker Extra Hour on 93.7 The Ticket. Back to the Ticket Weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Austin Norman back with you inside the 93.7 The Ticket studios here at 11th and O Streets. This is Ticket Weekend, specifically the Husker Extra Hour. You're watching us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, as well as Aloe Channel 951. And a big thanks to Aloe for sponsoring our VIP line, Aloe Fiber, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. Let's go right back there and welcome in Tom Jattel of the Omaha World Herald. Well, Tom, Nebraska managed to do it again, snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. But hey, there was a twist this time. It was a backup kicker, not the starting kicker. That's something, right? Yeah, you know, well, why is it that the... I I was third team quarterback and backup kicker, you know, end up winning the game and Nebraska's can't, right? It's just uh, uh it's uh it's over. Um I got a lot of feedback last week from a lot of people and uh you know, most people are you know understanding and patient and I guess behind the whole uh, you know, you gotta build it everybody everybody's behind rule and but it's just frustrating, and, and a lot of people um, I, I didn't see a reason why they couldn't win that six games. And I, I agree to a point, but I thought, I thought they really squeezed it. I thought they really squeezed everything out of this, uh, out of this team if they could. I just, um, you know, they, they should have. They, 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 they should be a Michigan State, Maryland when, when they had the chance. I think those were the two that the. They'll probably have the most regrets, but, um, um, you know, everything is, uh, you know, now they, now they got a, a busy offseason. They've got to, they've got to take care of that roster. They've got, they've got to get, uh, some playmakers in there. And then hopefully there were some guys who, who got developed this year who, who could help out next year. 
as you look at Nebraska finishing the year at five and seven, despite being five and three going into November, did Nebraska make enough progress? Did they make the amount of progress you thought they might coming into the year? How do you grade where Nebraska is now compared to where they started the year? Well, I didn't. I picked them to go six and six, and that was, to me, that was the uh, the ceiling. I thought this is. I think they have enough players. I mean, enough for turning guys. Um, you know, they won four games last year basically because of Casey Thompson and uh, Trey Palmer. They just they just didn't have a lot of. You know, and and the, they they had some running backs, but then those guys got hurt. I thought this would be a year where they would try to win some games and just build, and and they'd be trying to find some answers that they could carry on like next year. Um, but then they they got to five and three, and that's ruined it for everybody. <laughs> it's just, got everybody's hopes up. Everybody is looking for that. Okay, yeah, he got four games left. You know, they can do this. They can get that sixth win. It, it's doable. And um, you know, the way they scored points in their last two wins, it did, it did look doable. I mean, Harburg was making some plays with his legs, and he hit hit some deep passes and. The defense played the lights out. And, I mean, you, you looked at, at Michigan State and think, well, their, their season's over. They're not going to do much. And, you know, the rest came out flat for that one. And they still had a chance to win at the end or, or, or go for it. Um, you know, Maryland, I, I, I still say that, that that was mismanaged. They, you know, I, I take my chances going for the field goal there and, uh, and then trying to hold them. Um, I just and you look at Maryland. You know, Maryland is pretty good. I mean, it's a good win. So, and I feel like you know the basket played. Um, I think I was fourteen nothing at Wisconsin. Now, that's still a tough deal, but they just ran out of ran out of plays in that game. They just didn't. The, the defense wasn't great. Um, I don't know. It's just it's um, and the Iowa game was just punt, 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 and um, you know that's an experienced player there at the end by Chuba. You got to throw it away. You know you can't throw it. I almost wish like I did in Maryland. Like I said was in against Wisconsin. Play for overtime. Don't worry about trying to score touchdowns. Or I mean, um, Alvano had just missed a forty-four yard or into the wind. You know, you didn't have a timeout left because they they messed that up. So so just just run the ball and get an overtime. I mean, taking Iowa's offense into overtime, it didn't sound like a bad deal, does it? No. So I mean, I just felt like they were a few players and a, a few coaching decisions short of that sixth win, and, and uh, it's frustrating. So people. Have a right to be mad, and 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 they're very impatient. They're very hungry for that sixth win, and uh, you know rules upbeat after the game, and he's building, and um, you know I, I'm not saying they weren't trying to win, sure they were, but I just feel like there needs to be more urgency next year, going into next season, um, especially with, with the, the first half of that schedule. Uh, I think they they got to get the the coach. Get things to where they 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 come out firing in that first game. It's it's, it's all set up to, to have a nice hot start, mm-hmm. and um, and, and um, 
trying to get into try to get that bulb bit secure before you before you start hitting the West Coast and some of those games. So anyway, um, <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> I, I was going to say. So you mentioned the coaches and you mentioned the players. Those are really the the two elements of football. Which is easier for Nebraska to improve going into next year, the coaching decisions or the talent level? Well, I, I think what, what's going on with Nebraska right now is more about talent than it is coaching. Um, good players and, and hopefully great players, <laughs> um, they make coaches look so smart. I mean, you don't have to worry about managing the game when you've got guys who can block and, and, and gain four or five yards of pop. On, on the you know running plays and and hit hit receivers who are open and not overthrow them and not throw interceptions and and make mistakes and fumble and you know you, you, you don't often see great players fumble you know that, that's uh, that's an old saying you know that from coaches a long time ago you know the the good players don't don't make mistakes that doesn't mean the guys at Nebraska aren't good players but. They're certainly not good enough. I mean, you kind of hang on to the ball. And, um, you know, I, I don't think they need a big five-star quarterback to come in. Just go get a Joe Gans. I mean, look at, what could Joe Gans have done with this offense? You need, you need some guys around him, but he's going to hit. He's not going to make mistakes. And he's going to manage the offense, and he's going to get in and out of good plays. And I think Chubba Purdy's got some of that. And I, I, I want to see more, but. Um, I think. Do I think Marcus Satterfield's the answer? I I don't I don't know. I'm 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 as skeptical as everybody else. Um, having said that, I thought the way they managed Harburg in the middle of the season, they, they did a nice job with that. They they you know they they tried to create this quarterback run game and and try to win games that way. You know, just once in a while, they just can't help themselves. They they gotta they gotta push the envelope. They gotta throw it. And that's when they got in, got in some trouble. But um, I think I just players offensive line Friday. Holy crap! I mean, I don't care what play you call Friday, it wasn't going to work because the Iowa defensive line was in the backfield as soon as the ball was snapped. I mean, there was nowhere to go for Purdy. I mean, it's just you got to they got to get that offensive line going. And maybe that was a bad game. But I don't care about Iowa's defense. Nebraska needs to have an offensive line that can take care of anybody. And that's just the way it is. So they've got to get that going. And that might take two or three years, to, you know. But I think there needs to see market improvement next year and a lot of more urgency. So, Tom, you, you read my mind. I was going to go to the offensive line next. That was a, a group that was definitely maligned over last offseason coming into this year. Bryce Benhart wasn't perfect, but definitely played better. I mean, makes his 41st career start at Nebraska, um, you know, up there among all sorts of names, making making a lot of starts at Nebraska. Donovan Raiola, a big topic of conversation last offseason. Did you see enough from him to say he could be the answer for this offensive line, or is that just a talent thing again? They had some, they had some moments, and they certainly had, had, had their share of injuries. Um. But I, th- I think next year is a big year for him. I, so I, I expect him back. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's going to be up. I think that whole offensive. I think the offensive. No, I'll be back. But I think they're all uh, under watch next year. They're all, on, under very close scrutiny. That whole offensive staff. Um, because you know, receivers did really well. I mean, you know, Lloyd had some good plays there, but they didn't. I mean, just, 
they, they there were some drops, and you didn't always know if they were running the right route. Um, and I, I want to see Thomas Spadoni get going. I feel like, the, like there's a guy, I don't know if they took him away or they just didn't find him enough, but, um, but you know, I think going forward, uh, a run based offense with an offensive line and a tight end is, is going to be a lot easier to do than, you know, anything else. So, um, yeah, the offensive line is, um, it, 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 it isn't helping the portal, and I think they, they've got a nice base of guys coming back, but they've got to get better. And um, you know, sometimes uh, you know, running backs uh, I, I can help you. You know, it's better. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but Urban and and Ramir Johnson come back. Are, are, they're not really what you call difference makers. You know, they're not guys who change the game they're they're good solid backs but i mean i, I just right now i think they just they should be looking for a, a, anybody and everybody uh i don't think they need to go get go get 20 guys but they need to supplement that offense with, with a few playmakers who can come in and and change the game we're talking with Tom Chattel here on our Allo VIP line. Tom writes for the Omaha World Herald. And Tom, throughout the year, I've been reading uh, the World Herald's series on Memorial Stadium, the 100 years of it. Matt Rule might need to ask the contractors working on South Stadium if they know the Ghostbusters, try to get some of those late-game demons out of there. But your piece that just went up today with all sorts of memories from fans, without giving the whole piece away, what were one or two of those that stood out to you? Um, well, the, well, I love the... The one about the the, the the guy climbing up the goalpost, I've never had like a, uh, a play-by-play description of being on top of a goalpost, what that was like. And he, uh, it sounded kind of scary. But uh, And then, you know, what do you do? What do those guys do when they take a goalpost back to the front house? He, 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 went, he went into great detail there as well. So um, I appreciated that. I, I liked um, someone who used to go to games with my dad. Um, I love the one about the 18, uh, 2018, the uh, Akron opener. And, um, you know, there was no game, but the, the dad really enjoyed himself. And, and we was dancing in the rain and, and now the, you know, the, the son appreciated that, that he had that memory now forever and always was glad that they stayed and hung out that night, even though the game was called. And, um, to me, that, that's what games and stadiums are all about. They're, the memories, you know, you're always going to win. There's going to be pain. There's going to be glory and celebrations. But it's, you know, the, to me, the Husker games and the stadiums for the the, the people you share those things with. And um, I, 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 that's what I wanted to, to kind of convey uh, in, you know, in, that, in that column. So, um, you know, it's... Um, it was fun to do. I meant to do it earlier, but but after the volleyball day in Nebraska and the season just started going, I just kind of well, I lost track of it. So I wanted to make sure I got it in there. Yeah, that was a nice change of pace after after what everybody went through Friday. <laughs> I was going to say better late than never. I highly recommend people go check that out at Omaha.com. Make sure you find it. Rivalry on Friday for Nebraska football. Big one next Sunday for both Nebraska and Creighton as the Blue Jays come down to Lincoln 
on Sunday afternoon. Nebraska won the game last year. Tom, what do you make of both Nebraska and Creighton through the first, you know, early part of their respective men's basketball schedules? Yeah, Nebraska's really, um, they've been impressive and they've been consistent and they've taken care of business and they had a couple games. Uh, Ryder was one of them where they, it, it, you know, it, it took a while to get going, and the things were kind of hairier for a while. And now, okay, here's what they, here's where they have their uh, hiccup, but they didn't. And um, um, they're playing defense, they're playing, they're rebounding, they're they're hitting the shots, and they're just acting like a good team acts. And uh, I know they haven't really had the big schedule, but who cares? That's it's Nebraska basketball. They just need to learn how to win. And I think they're they're doing that. Um, Creighton right now is, is um, you know, they're, they're not reeling, but they're, I'm sure they're, they're, after, you know, a bad loss to Colorado State, and Colorado State's not a bad team, but that was a bad loss, mm-hmm. uh, the way the way they lost it. Um, you know, they they added a lot of firepower, but they they, they lost athleticism uh, when, when they lost Nemhard and uh, Kaluma. So they're trying to figure that out, how that's going to work. And they haven't really played a lot of athletic teams yet. Iowa's not athletic. Colorado State's probably not great athleticism. But they, they, they just rely, Creighton relies so much on their shots. And uh, they missed an uncanny number of shots. That'll never happen again. I wouldn't count on that. But they're a different team than last year, and they're trying to figure all that out right now. Um, and they, they, they seem to hit – they seem to – Shoot better at home, so I don't know what uh, Nebraska can uh, do to the rims next week. But uh, Creighton, it'll be uh, you know they have to go to Oklahoma State Thursday night, so um, they're, they're they're kind of searching right now. And uh, you know Nebraska's confident. Uh, you know before the season, I would have said, well, Creighton will go in there and and probably win comfortably. Um, well, I think now it's the you know, I think the, the the margins are a lot closer right now, so it, it should be fun. We're 10 minutes away, too, Tom, from the volleyball selection show, Nebraska Volleyball, definitely in the running for the number one overall seed. Is this a vintage John Cook Final Four team? Is this less than that? What do you make of the Husker volleyball team going into the NCAA tournament? I think they're, I think they're the absolute best team, and you know, you'd probably put Wisconsin right behind them. I watched a little bit of Texas. Texas isn't where Nebraska is. Uh, Louisville's not there. Um, you know, there's Stanford. They've already taken care of that. So they, they, they were a lot more physical than Stanford. Um, yeah, I think they're the best team that they're obvious number one overall seed, but they're, but they're going to get everything at home. So the next two weekends. So, um, you know, they'll have to, they'll have to overcome a little bit. Um, and who knows? Maybe, maybe who knows who they send here? They, you know, may have to overcome a lot the second weekend. But I expect it to be in Tampa, and um, and then they'll just have they'll have to make plays. They'll have to step up and and and, and go take it. Um, but yeah, this is this has been a. I mean, you know, thought all along just the stadium match that something was going on this year. This was a special year, special team. The way they've handled themselves, won the Big Ten. Um, you know, one loss. Um, I, I, I think this is uh, this is their tournament. Not their tournament. Not their tournament to lose. Because again, 
Wisconsin and Nebraska are very even. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just who's going to make the plays. And uh, the other day, Wisconsin really wanted that uh, bad. But, um, you know, we've got uh, – this is fantastic, though. We've, you know, Omaha's in there this for the first time ever. And uh, it's a true you – know, it's all four teams that were in volleyball day are in, in the NCAA tournament. So two in Division two and two in Division one, And, you, you know, uh, Creighton is, is back uh, with, with their star player uh, – Back now, and, and they're they're pointing to it. Yeah, I have to wonder if they might match up Omaha with Nebraska in the first round, um, as sort of a sixteen-one deal. I don't know if they'd do that, but uh, they didn't like to send people very far. So Omaha might end up in Lincoln. Um, and uh, you know, would, would they put Creighton in the same uh, region as Omaha or as Nebraska? I don't know, but. Uh, We'll find out really soon, won't we? So uh, it's exciting. It's, everybody's watching this year. Everybody's paying attention to this, and um, it's um, as we as we wait to see what's next for Nebraska football off season. This is a. a, a a great thing to pay attention to. <laughs> sure is a volleyball team that only has one loss on the year. A women's team that's been off to a pretty solid start. And then an undefeated men's basketball team as well. Plenty going on in Husker land. Make sure you check it all out on Omaha.com. Columnist Tom Chattel with us here on our Allo VIP line. Tom, as always, really appreciate the time. Have a good rest of your Sunday. Yeah. All right. Thanks. I'll see you later. There he goes, Tom Chattel, again on our VIP line, brought to you by Aloe Fiber, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. One last break for the Husker Extra Hour. We'll turn it over to the Husker Rewind. Tom and Melby, come up here in just a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. Back to the Ticket Weeknights on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Austin Norman back with you one final time here on the Husker Extra Hour. Big thanks to Sam McEwen and Tom Chattel for joining us on our VIP line brought to you by Aloe Fiber, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. We have uh, Walter and Brian here on the YouTube stream. Appreciate you both tuning in to uh, those two conversations. Uh, Walter says Nebraska's record in one score game since 2017 is eight and 33. Yeah, that's not good enough. That uh, that will certainly not get it done for the Huskers in terms of going to a bowl game. And Brian says, hopefully a uh, heavy uh, home game early schedule helps Nebraska get a couple more wins, builds players' confidence up going into the back end of the schedule in 2024. Just to review that schedule in 2024, thanks for that, Brian. UTEP, who just fired their head coach today, starts things off for the Huskers at home on August 31st. You welcome Colorado to Lincoln on September 7th, Northern Iowa, the FCS program on the 14th. And then you get a Big Ten game at home to open up the Big Ten slate. It's Illinois on the 21st. You go to Purdue on September the 28th before welcoming Rutgers to Lincoln on October 5th. Then you have your first bye week. That's right, first bye week. Husker football has two of them. Uh, Indiana, who did just uh, relieve head coach Tom Allen of his coaching duties today. Then it becomes a bear. Nebraska goes from Bloomington to Columbus to take on Ohio State. The Huskers will then host UCLA here in Lincoln before heading out west to take on USC. They host Wisconsin and then go to Iowa to end out the regular season. So, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity in there for Husker football to get off on the right foot, get a run started early, get bowl eligible. You know, at some point, they're probably in those first seven games as as you would probably draw it up. Once again, big thanks to Sam McEwen and Tom Chattel for joining me on our Allo VIP line. 
Thanks to all of you for listening here to the Husker Extra Hour on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. I'm out of here. I'll turn it over to Tom Stevens and Mike Melby. It's the Husker Rewind. I'm sure they will talk plenty of Husker football, probably some Husker men's and women's basketball, and the Husker volleyball selection uh, draw on Selection Sunday. That uh, gets going here in just a couple of minutes. Once again, big thanks to Sam and Tom. I'm Austin Norman. This has been the Husker Extra Hour on 93.7 The Ticket.